Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And welcome back to the episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael is the first game preview podcast of the season. Big one this Sunday, season opener against the Ravens. How are you feeling? I mean, I'm still pretty excited. I know there's been, you know, a lot of news in the past week that's been on the negative side with this team, but there's there's still so much to look forward to, you know, outside of quarterback, even with the O-line injury injuries that have been happening. Um, there's still so much to look forward to with this team. And I think this could still be a really exciting season. So I'm still very much looking forward to being there Sunday, you know, watching the game with you. I think it's going to be an awesome experience. So still looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I I think that, so you referenced some of the negative stuff that's happened this week. I guess let's start with Zach Wilson, who it was pretty clear. He wasn't going to play this Sunday. I, I, we said it on uh, Tuesday's podcast. Uh, how we felt that uh, Robert Sala was doing a little gamesmanship by by saying that that Zach might play week one and that he probably wasn't going to put his, his young quarterback out there this soon. The fact that he's going to miss the first three weeks is a little surprising, but it does make sense. You know, you don't want to rush back from a thing like a bone bruise. It certainly lingered uh, for Lamar Jackson last year. It wasn't it wasn't on his knee, but it was I think it was on his foot. Um, but those bone bruises can linger and it makes sense to make sure that he's 100 percent. I can get I get how it's a bummer to some fans, but I'll tell you this: the Jets are going to win some games with Joe Flacco. I don't know if they're one and two, two and one, or three and zero, oh, but they're winning a game with Joe Flacco in September. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and it might even be this Sunday. Who knows? I, I think this Sunday is certainly the toughest matchup um, in September for them out of the AFC North. I think the Ravens are, are the not even just the best team, but just the the toughest individual matchup for the Jets. And we'll hop into that a little bit more in depth. Um, but how do you think Flacco, I mean, we, we've gotten a, a taste of it the last few weeks, but how different does Joe Flacco make this offense than Zach Wilson? What are some of the pros and what are the, some of the cons, uh, specifically for this Ravens game? I mean, I, I do believe sort of what the coaches have been saying, that they don't plan to change things up that much in terms of, you know, the play calling and the overall scheme. But I think with Flacco compared to Wilson, the biggest change just comes from what happens when the play breaks down and when the pressure comes, because with Zach Wilson, obviously you have a guy who has the ability to evade pressure and create things off schedule and really draw out these plays. And, you know, last year as a rookie, a lot of times that didn't lead to good results, but you're hoping in year two that with some progression, it will lead, it will lead to more good than bad as he develops and you know, sort of finds that balance in, in those rough situations. Uh, with Flacco, you're not going to get a ton of that. I think you're going to see more throwaways and just a much safer approach from the quarterback within what he can control. Um, but I do think, and you tell me if you disagree, but I do think 
in terms of how the plays are called and schematically, I don't think it's going to be too much different. And we saw that a little bit in the preseason dress rehearsal against the Giants. Um, not didn't look too different. They still called a lot of play action, had Flacco, you know, getting on the move on rollouts, bootlegs, things like that. And he did a decent job for the most part, except the one time it did go off schedule and he made, you know, the terrible interception. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be called too much differently. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, LaFleur has pretty much said as much. It's not going to be called differently. The biggest thing that will be different when you watch them uh, is the lack of improv from Joe Flacco. I mean, it'll still happen. I mean, look, the pick six he threw against the Giants was technically improvisation from him. Zach is certainly the better athlete. He adds a uh, level of mobility from the position um, that I think even most fans don't even realize how athletic he is at that spot and how many yards he could put up on the ground. I know he hurt his meniscus and had the bone bruise, you know, on his only carry of the season so far, but certainly athletic uh, and certainly, you know, enough to add that element to the offense, which Joe Flacco doesn't really do. I do think that Flacco, you could probably say that Wilson is the better arm and certainly the better release and probably prettier thrower of the football, but Flacco's deep accuracy. And this is something you've talked about a lot uh, is legit. And this is something that Zach has certainly hasn't, hasn't necessarily translated as much to the NFL. He's had a few great deep passes, especially in the Tennessee game, but last year didn't take as many deep shots. And the ones that he did take, I felt like missed the mark more often than not. That's not the case of Flacco. Flacco's deep accuracy is a legitimately positive element to his game. And I think, you know, maybe you can expand on this a little bit more, um, but when the news was first announced that he was probably going to be starting week one, we're talking weeks ago, we talked about how, well, this matchup specifically ignore the fact that it's like a quote unquote revenge game, even though like obviously the Ravens made the right decision to go with Lamar Jackson um, facing as a former team that might add an element uh, uh, to help the jets. But I just think the style of defense that the Ravens play and, and we're going to, I guess we could talk about it a little bit now. I know we have some other stuff we wanted to talk about before we got into the schemes, but the style of defense the Ravens play, how do you think Joe Flacco's deep ball can help exploit that? And not even just his deep ball, but just him as a quarterback, being that veteran. He was in Baltimore all those years. Obviously, it's a new defensive coordinator, but a defensive coordinator who was in Baltimore for, for plenty of years as well. Um, just how specifically does Joe Flacco start in this game, potentially even give the Jets a better chance to win than, than maybe a Zach Wilson would? Do you, do you think that's, that's crazy to say? Well, I, I think it, it's really hard to compare – Flacco against Wilson in this game and you know these first three games until we see what Zach Wilson is this year because right now I think you can say Flacco maybe gives them a better chance because you know is Flacco better than the Zach Wilson we saw last year yeah I think he probably is but you're expecting Wilson is going to be a few steps above that this year so I think at the end of the season we'll have a better idea of you know would Wilson have been better in these first three games but for now, I think just looking at the matchup against the Ravens, I think Flacco is the kind of quarterback that you do want to have against this particular team because, you know, it's a, an aggressive blitzing defense. Last year, they had the sixth highest blitz rate at 31%. Um, so they're going to come after you. They're going to play man coverage behind it. And these corners they have, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, are, you know, they're playmakers. They're going to take some chances. They're going to gamble. Um, and they're going to make a lot of big plays, and they have. But sometimes they're going to pay for it and they're going to get beat over the top. So you want to have someone who can hit those deep balls and occasionally make them pay for playing that way. And if you can't capitalize on that, then eventually on their side, the reward of taking those chances is going to lead to takeaways. And if you're not going to punish them for that, it's going to be a net positive 
for them. So you have to be able to exploit that. And I, I still like Flacco's deep ball at the stage of his career. You look back to his 2020 film and he threw a really nice deep ball. Um, his completion percentage over expectation on deep passes in 2020 was about plus 3%, which is to say that he completed more deep passes than he should have uh, based on the difficulty of those throws. So I still like his deep ball. I think he is going to be capable of hitting the one or two deep shots over the top to Elijah Moore, to Garrett Wilson, um, to make the Ravens pay for playing the, uh, the way that they do in coverage. Um, then in addition to that, you know, when you're playing a blitzing team, you got to know where your answers are. You got to be able to get the ball out quick. And we saw last year, the one start that Flacco made was against a Miami team that kind of has, you know, a much, it's a different defense, but similar uh, coverage tendencies in terms of blitzing a lot, playing man coverage. And Flacco played a pretty decent game. You know, the Jets lost, but they should have put up 23 points if it weren't for two missed field goals. And this is was in a part of the season where the Dolphins were, you know, giving up single digits on a weekly basis. So uh, he played pretty solid in that game against a similar kind of team. He got the ball out quick, uh, such as the touchdown to Elijah Moore, where he beat a very good corner in Byron Jones, like the type of corners he'll be facing in this game. So I think there are a lot of ways where Flacco is a good matchup for the Ravens. And obviously the ceiling is limited compared to a Zach Wilson or the many quarterbacks in this league right now who are more talented and physically gifted than he is at this stage. But I, I think from a fundamental standpoint, there are right. a lot of ways he matches up well. Yeah, I think that's that's an important distinguish, uh, thing to distinguish as well is that, you know, Zach Wilson off of, you know, when you go back to Monday and people were saying, oh, could maybe Zach Wilson will play. Obviously, we know that that was just to maybe throw the Ravens off a little bit. I think the Ravens knew that Flacco was going to start, but it was enough of a bluff to the point where they had to watch a little bit of Wilson. I, w- I would think, I mean, maybe, maybe even if it was just like a fraction, I think everybody kind of knew Flacco was going to play this Sunday, but going back to Monday, you know, it was like, okay, well, who's better Flacco after a month of working with the starters or Wilson after three days of practice. And when Wilson returns, it won't be that drastic. It seems like we'll have a few weeks of throwing. He will probably have a, he'll have a complete week of practice leading up to the game. And so I think that the Wilson will get, whether that's week four against the Steelers or week five against the dolphins or whenever it is, um, will, certainly be uh, more prepared to, to come in and, and play immediately. But I just think the situation of, of week one against this defense. Um, and, you know, even if, even if he was able to practice the entire week, I just think that Flacco gives this team uh, a solid chance to win. Cause that's the difference between this year's team and other jets here, jets teams the last few years, especially when they've had young quarterbacks, you know, like Darnold and, and Wilson last year, where it's like this team can win with a veteran quarterback with a game manager, game managing quarterback, with this roster, they can win games. And I think Flacco is going to give you that. He had the best year of his, uh, of his career in this system under Kubiak in Baltimore. And you look at the roster of talent that he's surrounded with. It's pretty damn good. It, you know, uh, there's a lot of young players that need to take that next step, like Elijah Moore and Brees Hall and Michael Carter have to prove themselves, you know, Garrett Wilson, we, you don't want, you want to see him develop. I mean, there's plenty of things like that on this roster, but there aren't too many immediate holes like there have been the last few years. One of which, could pop up on Sunday though. Uh, tackle the Jets have obviously they lost Makai Becton um, in training camp. They brought in Dwayne Brown, which was at that stage a pretty great uh, signing. The starting offensive line is barely played together, and now we get the news that Dwayne Brown isn't practicing this week, and he's seeing a uh, a specialist about his shoulder. This podcast will come out Friday. We're recording this Thursday night, so by the time you're listening to this, you might have more info on 
what exactly is up with Dwayne Brown. Maybe he will play this Sunday, but the fact that he's seeing a specialist and the fact that he hasn't practiced this week leads me to believe that he probably won't play Sunday. It's tough to say at this point um, with these preview podcasts recording Thursday night, sometimes there'll be some injuries that we won't know about, but Michael, let's just act like Dwayne Brown won't play. What do you do? Do you move Fant back to left tackle, slide in Mitchell right tackle? Do you, I mean, I, I, God forbid that they have to put Connor McDermott out there at left tackle. I think Max Mitchell is the backup plan. It's just, what do you do? Do you put fan at, you have to move fan back over to the left tackle. And then when Duran Brown comes back, you have to move him back to the right side. I mean, poor George fan is just getting moved around. Uh, what was your reaction to seeing this news and, and how do you think it affects the jets on Sunday? Well, I think it's frustrating because I do think that after the Beckton injury, the jets should have doubled down and signed two veterans because they did acknowledge prior to Beckton's injury that backup tackle was an issue. That's why Dwayne Brown was brought in because they wanted to address that. Um, then when Beckton was injured, then they should have seen it as, okay, now we have two holes at tackle. So they signed Dwayne Brown, but I feel like they shouldn't have stopped there and at least signed one of the many veteran tackles that are out there. And I think, you know, you don't expect a lot out of them, but I think someone like Brandon Shell or Eric Fisher or any of these guys, could you know be less catastrophic than a fourth round rookie from Louisiana hey. or Connor McDermott? You know, I'm, hey, I, I'm, I'm just Mitchell, I'm just saying the expectations realistically, and, and I like him too. You know, but um, I'll tell you one um, thing: he's he's got to change his number yeah. from sixty one though, because sixty one yeah, looks like yeah. such a, a a practice squad number. Like, it put him in the seventies and make him look especially in in the in these jerseys with like the the one is just a straight line and, and actually to be honest other than 11 i think most of the numbers in this jersey not to get into the jersey conversation too oh, early God. here, here we are but again. i'm doing it anyway um any number that includes the one in it kind of looks weird it's just not symmetrical so i agree at that point hard-hitting analysis for my <laughs> okay but in terms of what they should do this sunday i i, I probably lean towards putting Fant back on at left tackle yeah. and starting Mitchell right tackle, especially because Mitchell also played uh, right tackle in college. So I think that's probably the way to go. And Fant has done it so much in his career that I think he's used to it at this point, you know, and even in uh, his first season with the jets in 2020, he did some mid season switching. Uh, so he, he's used to it. It's not necessarily ideal, but I think it's more ideal than having your blindside protector be Max Mitchell against the Ravens. So that's probably what I would do, but it's uh, I like a lot of what Douglas has done this season, but I think he should have taken the tackle depth a little bit more seriously. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, you know, the reports are that they're high on Max Mitchell, but you don't really know what that looks like until he's on the field against starters. Right. I, I will say, I thought he had a pretty good preseason, at least not a catastrophic one. I'm not to say that he's going to come in and, and be a great tackle off the, off the bat, but I think, that a guy like Mitchell certainly has starting potential. I don't think this is just a, a Connor McDermott or hell even a Chuma Adoga at this point that you're just throwing out there. I think Mitchell is a guy that, look, he might take his lumps early enough, but I think he might have enough to the point where if, if, if he has to play for, like, let's say Dwayne Brown is, is out for a long time. I mean, you know, hopefully this isn't the case, but what is if, you know, Tora Labrum or something like that, knock on wood, right, Michael, we got that wood. There we go. I heard it. Um, assuming Dwayne Brown isn't out that long though. Uh, I think Mitchell, I think he can keep this offense afloat for a few weeks and uh, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I certainly wish it wasn't against this type of uh, defense, you know, where when you put a young offensive lineman out there against, you know, the, the Ravens run a defense like this, the, the dolphins run this, the Bitwoods. I mean, at this point, a lot of teams do, especially all the teams in the jets division 
you know, a lot of man coverage, a lot of blitzers, a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage. And then you never know who's going and who's dropping back. And sometimes they all come at the same time. And it's just for a young offensive lineman. I think the, the best thing though, would be that I think Joe Flacco being under center, he'll have those, I'm more confident in his abilities to set those protections and recognize what the Ravens are doing than maybe Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson might end up proving that completely wrong. Like you said, Um, certainly by the end of the year, um, if we're still having the debate on, well, you know, I think that Joe Flacco is the better quarterback, unless Joe Flacco just like lights the world on fire this season, then we, we know we're in a bad spot with Zach Wilson. But I think it's it's a fair thing to say right now that Zach Wilson, after only playing 13 games in the NFL, you know, it's Joe Flacco's a safer bet after playing uh, how many is that? You know, 14 years in the NFL, something like that. 14 years in the NFL. Um, probably more comfortable with that guy setting the protections and knowing where to go with the football. And that's what you're going to get from Flacco on Sunday. You're going to get a guy who, you know, is always calm. He might make some mistakes, but you don't really have to worry about the him, you know, snowballing like maybe you would with a Zach Wilson where like last year against the Patriots, throws the first interception, he tries to compensate, throws the second interception, tries to compensate, throws the third. And you know what I mean? Like you're not going to get that with Flacco. You're going to get a guy who spreads the ball around, mostly takes care of the football is accurate on the deep shots. Does he, is he going to bring you the uh, Lamar Jackson X factor or the Aaron Rodgers, or the Patrick Mahomes, like that style? No, but can he be a Jimmy Garoppolo who, by the way, same system went to the Super Bowl with? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think he could have as good of a season as Jimmy Garoppolo had in their Super Bowl season. I, I really do. I, I mean, no, I'm not saying he will because hopefully he's not playing that much, but just in the sense that I think Joe Flacco in this system, it fits him well. He can play good football. I'm not really worried about Joe Flacco and the Jets offense shitting the bed on Sunday. Um, I do worry about Max Mitchell. Like you said, this is an offense that's predicated on being able to run the football, play 12 personnel, have your two tight ends out there be able to run the football and then open it up with the passing game. So I worry a little bit there, but I think overall this offense should be okay. How do you think, um, you know, we know what the Jets offense wants to do. They want to run the ball, build off with the play action. We've kind of talked a little bit about what the Ravens want to do. Um, but when you look at the Jets defense versus the Ravens offense, that's a different ball game. And I think uh, while I, uh, while I'm mostly con- I'm not saying that the Jets offense is going to, you know, walk over the Ravens defense far, far from it. I mean, the Ravens have a great secondary. They certainly match up well against the Jets offense, but the Jets defense and the Ravens offense, I do really kind of worry about this matchup, even though the Jets defense is probably better than the Jets offense. It's just this specific matchup with the quarterback runs from Lamar Jackson and all, you know, how creative they get with the trap runs and the draw runs and the screens. I mean, it is an offense that really does seem to uh, potentially uh, be able to exploit a lot of the weaknesses of this Jets defense that we saw last year, where it's like defensive linemen are shooting up the gaps um, and, you know, right behind it, there's a, there's a draw play and it's a 15, 20 yard run. This Jets defense is better, but the system is still the system. How do you feel Michael about this Jets defense versus Ravens offense? I mean, the Jets defensive line, I mean, it might be better than the Ravens offensive line. So maybe the Jets are getting constant pressure on Lamar Jackson. Their secondary is certainly better than the Ravens receivers. So on paper, they might be, match up well but then when you get into the schemes it's just hard for me not to see those lamar jackson qb draws and those qb carries going up the middle and just shooting by a you know a screaming carl lawson and quinn williams combo or something like that just based off the style of defense the jets play yeah i think the scheme is where the big mismatch is here because you look at the talent on paper and there are some spots where the jets should be able to contend with the baltimore offense and we'll get into those but to start with the mismatches I think it's three things. Number one, it's just the scheme. You know, the Ravens offense, the way they play versus the way the Jets defense plays. 
Number two, it's Lamar Jackson against a team that struggles to stop the run. That's just obviously a mismatch. Um, and then number three, it's Mark Andrews against a team that has questions at linebacker and safety and could not cover tight ends last year. So those are three huge, huge problems that the Jets are going to have to find a way to mitigate. And they're going to have to adjust a little bit from the way they usually play. You know, um, I think John Franklin Myers on the edge early downs against a lot of teams. That's really going to help you against the run. But against this team, you know, Lamar Jackson threatening the edge on option plays. Do you want 280 pound John Franklin Myers? on the edge in that situation, I, I don't think you do. So stuff like that, I think Michael the Jets Clemens, are going to have baby. to – Michael Clemens is going to be big. Jermaine Johnson is going to be big. <laughs> so I think things like that, you know, the Jets are going to have to switch up from – and it's a, it, an odd situation to have this game because it's the first game of the year, and, you know, you want to set set the tone and of what you're going to be throughout the season. But against this team, the Jets are going to have to – if they play exactly the way that – uh, they played last year that they want to play throughout the season. The Ravens are just too well constructed to beat that style of play, that penetrating um, one gapping defensive line against a team that's going to pull. They're going to run draws. They're going to have option plays and they're just going to use that momentum against you and run straight past you. Uh, just like the Patriots did against the jets last year um, and all the gap teams that they played. So uh, it's a schematic mismatch, but I do think, the Jets do have the talent to contend with the Ravens in a few different spots here. And I think it all starts in the secondary, the corners against these receivers. And we know the Ravens aren't a huge passing team, but they're going to pass the ball sometimes. And it's, it's going to matter if these receivers can separate, if they can make plays. And I think you look at sauce Gardner, DJ Reed and Michael Carter, the second against Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Proch, Demarcus Robinson, uh, out, outside of Bateman, this is probably one of the thinnest receiver groups in the league. And, and I think and also Jets, it's, it's not like Bateman yeah. is, is really proven himself. Right. Either. Right. The very unproven receiver group. And if it was on another team, it really wouldn't get any respect at all. It's just the fact that, you know, right. they're such a respected organization. You imagine that somebody in this group is going to really, you know, pop up and develop into a solid weapon for Lamar. Yeah, for sure. So Bateman could be that player for them he showed a lot of potential you know they're hoping for a similar leap like we are from elijah moore um but beyond that just there's nothing to expect so the jets can really you know lock that down and you know turn them into solely a running team even if you're running the football really well it's still not as productive as like an average passing game because that's just the difference between passing value and rushing value so if the jets can completely take away the downfield passing game and just relegate them to running. And then they could be confident in, in allocating more resources to that, you know, bring another guy in the box, condense your defensive line a little bit more, do these types of things. Then it could really make them more one-dimensional, make them easier to stop. So the secondary, I think, is a big edge that the Jets have. And then looking at the O-line, if Ronnie Stanley doesn't play in this game, which is seems like a real possibility, then you're looking at, Jawan James, who hasn't played in, I believe, three years and wasn't great when he was last playing at left tackle. Um, you have a rookie, Tyler Linderbaum at center, who's a great prospect, but rookie center setting the protections on the road in New York in this environment in a season opener. And then Morgan Moses at right tackle, who, you know, came in and did a good job last year, but he did allow the six most pressures among right tackles last year. And he allowed nearly twice as many per game on the road than he did at home. 
that's a matchup that I could see, you know, yeah. speedy edge rushers because that's what he struggles with. He's a sturdy, strong, powerful guy who fits his scheme, but speed rushers can be a problem. Bryce Huff, Jacob Martin, Jermaine Johnson doing some damage against him. So the Jets in the passing game, their pass rush and their secondary against these receivers have some advantages. They need to take advantage of that because the run game and just the schematic differences between these teams is a pretty big mismatch. Yeah, I went back and watched the 2019 49ers Ravens game, and obviously a lot has changed since then, uh, including coordinators and, and obviously the Jets aren't the Niners. But I think it was a good game to watch if you want to get a, a feel for how this game could go. Uh, really, honestly, it was a great game. Hard fought. I think the Ravens ended up winning. It was like 20 to 17 or something like that. But the the solid defense did pretty well against Lamar Jackson and and kind of the opposite of what we're saying right now. And the reason, and I think this is something to keep in mind to why the Jets defense could have success on Sunday is that all gas, no break mentality does kind of match up well against a, a running quarterback and athletic quarterback. Now the gap discipline that's one thing, defending the run and the traps and the draws. And, you know, could you get out schemed in the run game? Absolutely. But what I did see when you go back and watch that game is that even if, it, you know, Lamar had a bit of an opening uh, around the edge or they were able to, you know, to get the ball outside to a running back or something, all, you know, it was at least like four or five Niners every time would close the ball every time. And they played as that one unit, which you didn't see at times oh, – that much from the jets you saw it in a few games the titans game was, was a great example of that and and i think this game is is one where the jets defense will have some big moments i think the jets defense like you said i, I think their defensive line is definitely better than this ravens offensive line they're going to create some sacks you know mm-hmm. i think they'll create a few turnovers as well i think that the secondary matchup against this ravens receiver group certainly is, is a a pretty big uh you know, uh, positive in the Jets' direction. I mean, obviously, Sauce Gardner has to prove himself. We haven't really, even, we haven't even seen DJ Reed in a Jets uniform. There are some question marks, but this secondary and this pass rushing do, uh, unit sets the Jets up well for third downs, and I think that's how they're they're built to win. As I think the Jets will do well on third downs. I think they'll create plenty of sacks and turnovers. It's just how do they do the rest of the time? How do they do on first and second down? And can they contain Lamar to where he's not killing them on those big? You know if the Jets can get it to a third and 12 or something, you can't let Lamar Jackson get the 15 yards himself for the first down. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of Lamar taking off and it's going to be on Quincy Williams and on CJ Mosley and on Jordan Whitehead and Whitehead's a guy that you pointed out when they first signed and like, Oh, the Jets finally have a, their Josh Allen stopper because Whitehead did so well against Cam Newton last year and a few other quarterbacks that, you know, mitigating the, the quarterback runs Whitehead's going to have to have a big game. So that is where the Jets could have some success. It's like, I think they'll they'll have some big explosive plays. It's minimizing the yardage that the Ravens are going to get. I think the Ravens will definitely move the ball. It's just going to be on the Jets' defense to come up big in those third down situations in the red zone. Um, but yeah, if, if their safeties and linebackers are able to close out, like you saw that the 49ers safeties and linebackers do in 2019, this Ravens offense won't do that much against the Jets. I mean, they'll score points and whatnot, but it won't be the shellacking that I think some in the, the national media might expect it to be. Um, I was about to segue right into some predictions, but I think there's some more stuff we want to talk about. So I won't, I won't, I won't jump uh, too early on that one. Um, uh, we've talked a little bit about the, the Ravens uh, defense and what they like to do, but the Ravens offense, I mean, uh, people understand what they want to do. Lamar wants to run the football, but I guess, for anybody who hasn't really watched them, and I know 
Michael, you've done a lot of work on what the Ravens are this season. How do you see them calling plays against this Jets team? Do you think it's a lot of what we're expecting? Just a lot of trap runs and draws and, and misdirections, just try to outscheme the Jets on the ground? Or do you think the Jets or do you think the Ravens will try to, to attack the Jets deep a little bit? Maybe all playing off the run, but I mean, what type of offense do you think we'll see uh, Lamar Jackson run exactly on Sunday? I think there are a couple things I'm interested to watch because one thing that I did find when sort of looking at Lamar's splits from last year is that he was, uh, he had very strong splits between blitzed and not blitzed. Uh, when he was blitzed last year, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the, in the league. When he wasn't blitzed, he was one of the absolute best quarterbacks in the league. So based on that, I would expect the Jets to maybe try to blitz him a little bit more, especially early in the game, test it out, see how he responds. Um, so I'm inter- interested to see how the Ravens anticipate that. Are they going to be ready for the Jets to be blitz heavy and throw some quick passes and, you know, have some stuff built in to, you know, be ready for that? Or th- are they going to prepare for the Jets to be what they usually are, which is a team that doesn't really blitz on early downs and then comes after you on third down. So that matchup is going to be interesting to watch. Right. How, do, how do the Jets adjust? their blitzing approach to Lamar. How does he and the Ravens adjust to a potential heavy blitz game plan early? So I'm interested to see that. And another thing that I'm interested in is Tyler Linderbaum at center. He's a guy who, again, great prospect. I think a lot of Jets fans were really into him in the pre-draft process, but he's kind of more, at least for me watching him, I'm much more appealed with his athleticism and movement skills and his raw power and movement creation so kind of you know not necessarily a shoe-in fit to the scheme so i'm interested to see how they use him and maybe if he diversifies their run game a little bit um so those two things will be interesting and then uh looking at mark andrews um i was doing some research on him how he wins how he does his damage and by far the biggest thing that separated him last year was crossing routes he had uh, 477 yards just on crossing routes last year. That was twice as many as any other tight end in the league. The Jets tight ends didn't have that total, and he did that on one route type. So that's how, how he does his damage. Obviously, you can work that off of play action, um, and it's a you know zone-beating type of route. So it's really going to challenge the zone coverage of the Jets. Can they communicate, pass things off, keep track of him as he crosses through different zones? So I think they're definitely going to keep trying to play into that against this team that has a lot of new faces coming together, question marks at safety and linebacker. I think they're definitely going to try to establish that run game, call some play action and get Andrews working on those crossing routes um, because that's what he was so great at last year. So uh, I think those are a few of the things that I'll, I'll be watching. Yeah. Who do you think matches up with it? I mean, obviously the Jets go zone a lot of the times, but considering the lack of, I don't want to say receiving weapons because I'm sure some guys will pop up outside of, of Rashad Bateman, but on paper, no JK Dobbins at running back this week. We didn't, even, we didn't mention that. Um, so they don't have their top running back. They don't have, they trade Hollywood Brown. They don't have a, a great receiving room. Regardless, you assume Mark Andrews is going to be probably the number one guy Lamar Jackson's looking for when they're in those zone coverages, it's going to be on the linebackers and safeties, but when they go man on third down, who do you think they put on Andrews? I mean, is it, is it, uh joiner is it whitehead is it a linebacker they bring tony adams in off the bat i mean who bryce hall is, it, is bryce yeah, hall that, that's what i was thinking that's what i was kind of thinking hall maybe because he has the you know a little more size and length because uh, i don't think i would want 
you know, Carter the second on him. Because I think you see slot corners play tight ends a lot. Uh, I don't I think Carter Carter's a little small for that. But Hall, I think, has a little more size. We've seen him, although not often successfully match up with tight ends over the past couple of years. Um, I remember back to his rookie year, the Jets had him on Darren Waller a lot. And again, that didn't work out too well in that game. But <laughs> but at least we've seen him do it. So uh I don't know, Kylie. Maybe I don't put Sauce Gardner on him. I That's don't what I know. Gonna... Maybe you know, bring in Bryce Hall, put him outside, get Gardner man to man. I think that versatility. I mean, we'll see how long into his career it takes until they trust it. But I think that's something you really got to tap into with Sauce Gardner. Don't just make him Richard Sherman sitting in one spot. I think you got to use some of those matchup capabilities he brings you. Well, I was going to say, I, that is the one thing I'm really curious to see with Sauce Gardner is how often do they move him around? I think Hall probably makes, if you're going to go with a non-safety, like somebody who's not already on the on the field on third down, like if you're not just going to put Joyner on him, who, by the way, Joyner did play slot corner for a few years. He hasn't played a full season of football in almost two years now. So we don't really, he, he's a guy who could really make this Jets defense if he has a great year, or he could really hurt him if he, if he has a bad year. And I, you know, I could see Tony Adams starting at safety by week four, if Joyner's not playing that well, but I could also see Joyner having a, a, a great year just with how highly the staff talks about him. Um, he seems like probably the, the guy who makes the most sense. If you're just going to go with, you know, if you're not doing any special packages or anything like that, it seems like Joyner would match up with Andrews, but that is interesting. Uh, not just sauce, but talking about Bryce Hall, like, you know, if Reed and Sauce and Michael Carter are healthy, you know, maybe that's a role for Bryce Hall. You know, if, if you're facing a big tight end, you know, having him uh, a few packages for him to go out there and, and match up against the tight end, because that's really what he does well is those, those bigger body guys. I know he didn't do too well against Kyle Pitts in the preseason and then Darren Waller's rookie year, but I do think that you put him on Mark Andrews. He might bring you something else if, if a guy like if you feel like a guy like Joyner is too small or, or you don't want to move a guy you, you know your rookie in his first game inside uh, against a tight end. I really do feel confident about this Jets defensive line facing this Ravens pass blocking uh, offensive line. But the game is really going to come down to the linebacking group for the Jets. I mean Quincy Williams, we know he can fly around like a bat out of hell. No dumb penalties though, please. But you know he's a guy that this Jets unit has hit hard all preseason. You need to see that week one. They need to send that message to the Ravens early. Um, but beyond Quincy Williams, because who I think will have to play a big role in pass coverage and chasing down Lamar, CJ Mosley. And it is kind of cool that the Jets, too, I don't know if Flacco will be a captain since Zach is hurt, but the Jets, too, uh, captains, former Ravens. A bit of a revenge game for Mosley as well. I mean, although he had you know, no animosity towards Baltimore, he just got paid way too much in New York. Um, you know damn well he's going to want to win that game. And I think Mosey's a guy. He only got to see Lamar when Lamar wasn't even playing. He's just a rookie. Um, but Mosey's the guy who can really make or break this Jets run defense. You know, because that's really what he brings to the table right. as a veteran. Yeah. And and if he's on top of what the Ravens are trying to do, um, and it's not a repeat of, of last year's game against the Colts where Jonathan Taylor and the, that Colts offensive line was just whooping the Jets defensive line and linebackers. Uh, I think this could be a close one. So to me, this game really comes down to the Jets linebackers. Uh, when you look at the Jets defense versus Ravens offense, it, the sexier um, and more impactful plays will be made by the edge in the secondary. Um, but the backbone of this game, like how uh, you know much are the Ravens getting on these, on these big runs? Like how much are they abusing the Jets with these Lamar right, Jackson yeah. scrambles and these trap runs that the Jets defensive line inevitably does get burned on? How much is, uh, is the linebacker group able to contain it? 
Uh, and that to me is, is really, you know, what stands out. You talked about the, the matchups with the, the Ravens offense and the Jets defense going back to the Jets offense with Flacco going up against this Ravens defense. What are some of the matchups that stand out uh, to you there? Actually quickly, before we talk about this side, I I, quick Mosley point. Um, I, I think that's a great point you bring up because I think um, like we're so focused on some of these other aspects of the run defense, but at the end of the day, the linebackers are so huge and any team stopping the run against any offense. So Mosley's going to be in on a lot of tackles and, if he can finish them at a high rate, not miss those tackles and just, you know, keep things uh, contained, you know, to, you know, if a, if a good run for the Ravens in this game is six to eight yards max, you don't want to let them get that consistently, but if that's the best they get and you don't let those runs turn into 15, 20, you know, dare I say 50 plus, then you could really, you know, keep them contained and just keep it to, all right, let's keep getting to third down and let's eventually win one of these and force a punt, force a field goal. Um, That's how I think the Jets are going to survive defensively. And another thing with Mosley is, you know, he was there in 2018 and granted a long time ago, but um, Lamar's rookie year, still similar offense uh, that they're, you know, starting to integrate over there. So a little bit of familiarity. And I think a thing that he does well, that's kind of underrated in coverage is, just his feel for routes and knowing where to be to just get in the passing lane and deter throws from being made over the middle. I I think last year you saw his, you know, when he's targeted on the ball, maybe there's a little bit of decline there. He was beat a few times when he had to play man or, you know, guard passes over the top, but I just think his, you know, off the ball coverage, you know, just getting in front of routes, being in the right spot in zone is still pretty good. And I, it all just comes down to his recognition and his smarts. And I think talking about Mark Andrews crossing routes, I think Mosley is going to be a big part of stopping those, just being in the right spot, getting in front of him, throwing him off his route, uh, communicating and make sure he gets passed off to the next guy. This is stuff I think Mosley can still do pretty well. and It can be a good counter uh, to Mark Andrews. So, so I agree with you on Mosley. Um, yeah. So I guess to turn it over to the other side of the ball, I mean, I mean, how about you start it off? What are you looking at in terms of um, if I'm the Jets, what are, are, what do you think are the primary weaknesses and primary right. uh, goal that you want to establish against this particular team? Well, I think the one guy that keeps popping into my head, and you're, you're going to hate this answer, um, Braxton Berrios. I think that Jet I, I don't stuff, hate Berrios. Okay. I don't hate Berrios. Well, we're just going to roll with it <laughs> like you do. Uh, I think that Jet Motion stuff <laughs> – uh, really can help out against a defense like this, a really ag- man-aggressive, blitz-heavy defense. You, I, Barrios is the Jets' starting slot receiver. He's going to get uh, plenty of opportunities throughout the game. Um, yeah, those those motions, giving it to him, the, the quick passes, the bubble screen game, I mean, those are things you can do to really exploit the, the aggressive type of defense that the, the Ravens play. So I think Barrios ends up having a, a big game. But, like, yeah, I mean, the Jets are going to come out and immediately are going to try to establish a run. Um, I think – they should try to establish the play action first to open up the run, um, especially if Dwayne Brown isn't playing. I feel like if they go out there and try to run it up the middle on the first play, it's, it's you know, the Ravens are going to be expecting it. I think the Jets need to utilize play action early in the quick passing game, and that might start opening up the, the run game, um, you know, for, for a Brees Hall or a Michael Carter. We didn't see too much of the, the run game in preseason. You know, obviously the starting offensive line wasn't playing together, and, you know, I don't know how many opportunities we even – you know, Paul uh, and Carter really even got, um, you know, but it seemed like mostly the time it was Zonovan Knight and, and 
Ty Johnson, the Michael Piron and stuff in those games. But, you know, I wasn't too happy, I guess. Would you agree with that with the, the Jets uh, rushing yeah. offense in preseason? But it's it's the backbone of, of this offense. So I think Jets are going to come out uh, immediately and try to just get those easy throws, those those fast, quick throws. I think Barrios is going to be ha- heavily involved. We know Tyler Conklin's going to be involved. The Ravens aren't that strong at linebacker. Um, they are strong at safety, so I imagine they're going to be you know, putting their safeties on, on the Jets tight ends. But if they get matchups against, uh, you know, if they get Conklin going to the middle against these Ravens linebackers, I definitely think Flacco is going to try to exploit that. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I don't think they open up with the deep shots, but I think as the game goes on, I think um, there will be an opportunity for the Jets and Flacco to take a few deep shots. And I think if you do them strategically after the, the Ravens try to come up and stop the, the quick passing game and maybe they're biting more in the play action and maybe the run game starts to get working, that's the deep shots happen. But when they open up, it's like go play action early and often, go with the quick passes, use a lot of jet motion with Barrios, and I think it'll start to break up the Ravens' defense a little bit. What about you? What, what, what kind of intrigues you about this matchup? Yeah, I agree. I think it's all going to start with the run game because obviously I think – where the Ravens want to do their most damage is with takeaways in the secondary. That's where all the investment is in this defense. They even signed Marcus Williams at free safety, who I really wanted the Jets to get. I think I think a lot of fans were into him for the Jets. Um, so that's where the investment is. They want to take the ball away. They want to beat down your receivers and take away your passing game. So I think it's going to start the run game and then setting up the play action so you can get – favorable deep shots against these aggressive corners. Um, but looking at the run game, it's interesting. Well, wait, well, quick question, quick question. I know yeah, you've got to go. Yeah. Do, you, do you agree with me, though, that I think a lot of the times teams try to, you know, uh, I think we saw this a lot of the case where it's like, okay, well, we have to run the ball so we can open yes. up the play action. Yeah. A lot of times you can use the play action to open up the run game. Like it can, yes. it can be vice versa. And I think the Jets, everybody knows they want to run the ball. I think they should come out and trust Flack a little bit with the play action game and then open up the rushing lanes. Do, do you agree with me on that? No, I, I totally agree with that. I do think it's a myth to where you have to be successful in the run game, you know, for the play action to work. I mean, obviously it does to an extent. Like if you have Derrick Henry and he's killing your team on the first two drives, then yeah, you're going to bite a little bit harder. But sometimes it's just about the timing of the play call and what's anticipated and, you know, the the look you have out there. Does it suggest you're going to run the ball? Um, because sometimes, you know, even if you're not running the ball well, uh, or you even haven't run the ball much at all, play action can still work if you call it at the right time um, with the right look. So I don't think you necess- there always has to be that direct correlation between, okay, for play action work, you have to run for five yards per carry or run it the first two times or things like that. So I, I think the Jets last year, that was their big problem at the beginning of the season. We saw how much how much run-run pass did we see over those first five games last year before LaFleur finally switched it up and really improved down the stretch at mixing it up. And that's when they got better results. Um, so you don't, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You don't always have to come out and be like, we're going to establish the run. Then we're going to do play action. You don't always have to do it that way. So I think, um, you know, because we're talking about this right now. So if that's what the Ravens expect and you do play action on the very first play and they're expecting run, you know, now it's effective and you didn't run the ball at all to set it up. So I think there is definitely some um, diversity there in terms of how you can make the play action work. I don't think it always has to be directly set up by a ton of running or even necessarily successful running. So, yeah, we, so I do we, agree with you on that. We know it's going to be a long day if the, uh, if the opening kickoff is a penalty in the jets and then yes. they come out and then they run it right into the, the line of scrimmage. Then, then we yeah, just, that, oh, all right, it's going to be a long one. 
the opening kickoff is key. If if you get no penalty in the opening kickoff and the first run is is at least four yards, I think you could you could breathe a little bit and be like, all right, maybe we'll watch a real football game today. But yeah, penalty on the opening kickoff or the first run is stuffed at the line. You're like, oh my god, here we go. All right, we only have a, f- a few more things to talk about. I, actually, I had to talk about my run game. I was. Oh yeah, to... my bad. My bad. You're right. I cut you off. Go ahead. So like, I I think it's interesting because I did, again even. Despite everything we just said, I do think the Jets are going to try to run the ball in this game. And and they should, because like we were saying, it's a dangerous secondary. You want to balance it out a little bit and make sure you take calculated, efficient shots at that secondary, not just go after them. It, it would be different if you had, you know, a fully developed Zach Wilson or a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, a talented quarterback who could really test these corners. But with Joe Flacco, I think he can exploit them, like we said, but I think you want to be more measured with it and take those shots at the right times. So I think a good run game does help you get those. So I I do think the jets are going to try to run the ball uh, and rely on that in this game, but the Ravens did stop the run really well last year. They did allow the fewest rushing yards in the league and the third fewest yards per carry. Um, But I do think that the jets run game kind of matches up well against them because the strength of their run defense is in the middle. They're a three, four team. Uh, Their defensive tackles, aren't great pass rushers at this point of their careers, but they have some veterans who are great run stuffers. Glaze Campbell, still a high, high-ranked run stuffer. They just signed back Michael Pierce, the nose tackle, who they used to have, but was with the Vikings last year. Um, so they do have some good run stuffers up the middle, and I think that's the strength of – that's the primary reason they did what they did last year. So I think the Jets are going to try to uh, widen these guys out. They're going to use Barrios in that jet motion – not just to give him the ball, but just to create angles and to create movement by the threat of his motion. And they're going to run that ball outside and rely on that wide zone. I really think that's what they're going to do and make these corners come up and tackle, get Brees Hall and Michael Carter on the edge. I think that's going to be the goal of this run game. Heavy, heavy outside zone. Who gets more carries, uh, Hall or Carter? Uh, it's kind of, I really see it being pretty split to start out. Don't you think? Or do you feel like yeah. Carter is going to get the edge? I think it'll be pretty split, especially if I said touches, definitely pretty split because I think Carter might get more of the receiving opportunities. Although, although Hall is a great receiver. I think it's just the, yeah. maybe the stereotype in my head of like, okay, the smaller back is more of your receiving back and stuff, but that's not really the case. I mean, we've seen plenty of great Brees Hall catches and um, I think it'll be pretty split to start off. I think Carter will, uh, will certainly start the games at least the first few weeks of the season. But, you know, I think the, the longer we get into the season, the colder the weather gets, the more you're going to want that bigger back to wear down defenses. Um, so I don't know. I think they'll, they complement each other very nicely. Um, but I, I think if I had to give a guess, I'll say, I'll say Carter gets more touches. That's just my prediction. Yeah, um, I think we'll get like one or two more, but it'll be generally split. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, uh, this one, okay. There's a few topics I want to get to before we get to our predictions. One, any other analytics that we haven't sprinkled in here? You're the analytics guy. It's some of an analytics podcast. Try to dive into the weeds. Is there anything else that you've found in your research this week that you haven't been able to sprinkle in that you think is relevant about the, this matchup? And I can stall if you need. Uh, I, I think one thing that's interesting is the Ravens' tight end and running back coverage last year was pretty bad, and uh, that's something that the Jets can exploit. Like we just yeah. talked about Carter and Hall. Uh, they have two competent tight ends now, uh, better than competent, I think, at least in Conklin's case. Good. Um, so 
that's something I think the Jets can beat up on. And the Ravens had a ton of injuries last year, but um, the main culprits for their tight end running back coverage, a couple of those guys were starters last year and are still starters. Um, Linebacker Patrick Queen and their strong safety, Chuck Clark. Uh, We'll see how much he plays splits with Kyle Hamilton, but either way, both these guys are still pretty big parts of the defense. Um, And they were both among the worst ranked coverage players at their positions last year. Um, So the Ravens allowed 110 receiving yards per game to tight ends and running backs last year. That was second worst in the league. So I think that's something the Jets can exploit. I think the receivers will be, the wide receivers will be responsible for getting those big plays uh, that the Jets need to exploit those corners. But I think the running backs and the tight ends can really be the bread and butter of this passing game um, on Sunday, because, you know, I think that's where the weakness of their pass defense is. The Ravens pass defense was really bad last year. And again, they had, they had a ton of injuries. They're not going to be this bad this year, but they did allow the most passing yards in the league last year. So it's, it's something worth noting. And a lot of the guys, again, who were responsible for that are still going to be playing this year and on Sunday. So uh, and once again, a lot of that was tight ends and running back. So I, I think Conklin's going to have a big game. I think he's going to really be frequently targeted uh, when he gets matched up against these guys. I think he's going to win very frequently on, you know, slants, digs, all these intermediate routes where he's just able to get to the stem of the route, set him up, hit him with, with a double move and win. Uh, so I think he's going to have a, a big game and potentially lead them in in receptions or targets in this one, whereas the receivers are maybe targeted a little bit less frequently than they will be throughout the season, but they'll get more yards, more air yards per time they're targeted against these uh, boom or bust corners. But I think we could see a lot of check downs, short throws to the tight ends and running backs and do a lot of damage that way. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think Conklin's in for a big one. I think Uzama's in for – we haven't seen too much of him, but I think given his – He, he really ability, beat up the Ravens in that uh, first game he played against them yeah, last year. I think no, he had definitely. Touchdowns. And the thing with him is I he's a guy – I think Conklin can do this as well, but the tight end screens and the, the short passes and stuff, the, the anything that, to give the ball to Uzama in space and let him just use that yak ability that he has – um, that's exciting to me. So I think that both of them, like you said, uh, and then my guy, I think Braxton Barrios is going to have a, a, a big game as well. Just, just with what he, the element that he brings to this offense with the, the jet motions and the, the quick passes. And I think he's just going to have in for a lot of, uh, easy completions. Um, okay. We got that out of the way. One other thing I, I think we should do this, this season with these preview podcasts is let's just go through briefly because you know, you, I know you're trying to get back and watch this, this Rams bills game. I won't spoil it for you. I'm watching it. Michael paused it. Um, okay. I already know about the season ending Josh Allen. Injury. Oh yeah. Yeah. That I made up. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, okay. Where are the jets better and where are the Ravens better? Okay. Let's go through each okay. position. Okay. Quickly. You can give a brief explanation if you want, but we know the Ravens are better quarterback. No objections there running back. And we'll, we'll just specify for just this Sunday. So like Dobbins isn't playing. So then you're talking about Kenyon Drake versus Brees Hall and Michael Carter. I don't think it's biased to say the Jets are better at running back. Do you think that? Yeah. Yeah. I think the Jets are better. So it's 1 1. With Dobbins, it would be debatable. Without him, it's, it's Jets. Receivers. I think, I don't think this one's debatable. I think Ravens fans might put up a fight, but I don't think he, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Barrios, and, and Garrett Wilson. That's not it's Jets. I don't really think yeah, it's okay. debatable. <laughs> They're, uh, Duvernay is their number two receiver. He's played 32 games and has two touchdowns. All right. Um, 
should we just lump, I guess we'll lump the offensive line as one whole unit. Who has the better offensive line? The Jets or Ravens? It, oh, well, we don't know if Dwayne Brown's going to play. Does it change? Or if uh, Stanley's going to play for the Ravens? So uh, let's say let's say they both play. I'm going to give it to the Ravens just because. I mean, maybe if you compare the on paper talent, you can make an argument for the Jets. But the Ravens have just been doing this at such a high level for so long, regardless of who's in there. Uh, and they have just such an established system that I think it's pretty likely they're going to be a better line. Okay, so that's uh, two to two. Uh, tight ends. Can't forget about the tight ends. You can lump in, uh, I guess, the fullback in there as well. It's still Ricard, right? Yeah. You can lump, you can lump Ricard in there as well for, for the Ravens. Who is the better tight end slash fullback? Yeah, it's Ravens just on the strength of Andrews, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so 3-2 to the Ravens on offense. When you go to the defense, though, defensive line. And should we do defensive tackle versus it? I think we just do one. Uh, yeah, I, I guess full defensive line. Or do you want to split them up? Well, I don't think it matters because I think I'd say the Jets for every position on this. I think the Jets have the better defensive line. I think they have the better defensive tackles and edges. So I don't think it really matters. But I'd give the Jets the, the, the no pun intended, but the edge here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause, I think, the Ravens' interior is a lot better at stopping the run, but I think the Jets have better pass rush inside. Yeah. So defensive tackle might be a wash for me, but I think that Jets have the better edge group. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you, you and I both think of JFM as a defensive tackle, but I guess he is the edge on, on first down a lot of the times. I think that'll change as the season goes on. Ulbrich basically said as much that that he's going to play a lot of three-tech, um, but Quinnen and JFM next to each other is still... I mean, even if you want to debate it, it's still, like you said, it's, it's at least a wash. But I, I think the Jets win defensive line. Linebacker, this one's interesting. I know that the Ravens linebackers have, have struggled, but they do have Patrick Queen. They have Josh Bynes. It's hard to give it to the Jets, though, because while I like C.J. Mosley a lot, I think Quincy Williams has potential. Neither of them played amazing last year. Mosley was pretty solid in terms of tackling, and, and Quincy had his moments. But I don't think you can really give this one to the Jets, do you? It has to probably go with the Ravens, right? Even though the Ravens linebackers have, have struggled themselves. Yeah, I mean, I guess this one's a wash. I don't know, because the Ravens, like I just mentioned with the tight end thing, like Patrick Queen was a huge part of why they struggled there. Um, he hasn't put up very good numbers in his career. And granted, I haven't watched a ton of his film, so I can't totally verify that. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure their linebackers impress me that much i i won't say the jets are better that's for sure that's what i feel is like they're, I, they're both wash. not. i think it's a wash i think it's a wash yeah i mean yeah both of them not the strength of, of their defenses uh i think in general we can we can separate corners and safeties but for this one i think we can just lump them together because i think while i'm very high on what the jets have done in their secondary and think they will end up having a great year pretty hard to go against what might be the best secondary in all of football when you look at peters humphrey uh, Clark Williams and, and Kyle Fuller in the slot and Kyle Hamilton. What am I saying? Forgot about Kyle Hamilton. So it's a pretty damn good secondary. So yeah. I get the Ravens, right? Yeah. Safety's obvious edge corner. You know, the Jets have the potential to, I think maybe come close to them this year, but potential is just potential until it's proven. But these guys are, these guys have done it for a long time. So yeah, it's a clear edge. All right, so when you look at it, the Ravens are the better team. But I think the one thing to keep in mind, though, is I don't think this will be the shellacking that some people think it could be. I think the Jets are going to play some competitive football this Sunday. 
as we as we get into our predictions and wrap up this podcast. Do I think the Jets will win? I is there a world where they win on Sunday? Well, there's. I mean, I can say that for every game. I could certainly see the Jets winning this game. I would not like be unbelievable to me if they won this game. I think they're a better team than than many realize, and I think they'll give the the, the Ravens a, a tough game. I'm not going to predict that they'll win though, because I think it's it's pretty hard when you look at how good this Ravens team is, how they match up against the Jets, and some of the uncertainties on the Jets roster. It's just hard to to say that the Jets will win, but all the work that the Jets have done this offseason, I do think you'll you'll see that on Sunday. Are the Jets a finished product? No, they're a new team. They're a young team. A lot of guys have to gel together. Um, but I don't think you're going to get, you know, them coming out of the gate and being down 21 nothing in the first quarter. Like, I don't think you're going to see that. I do think you're going to get a, a, a nice, fun, competitive football game with the Jets in it. I think the Ravens close it out late. I think Lamar closes it out late. Um, but I think I think the Jets represent themselves nicely on Sunday. Michael, what do you think will happen? I get what What is when you see, like, the best case scenario, what does that look like for the Jets? I mean, like, are, is it just Joe Flacco throwing for 300 yards, deep touchdowns to Garrett Wilson? Was it, you know, what's the worst case scenario look like in your head? Obviously, you can, you know, make fantasies up in your head, but realistically, best case, worst case, and then your prediction. I think worst case is if defensively the run game kind of goes as expected, but then in addition to that, they can't stop the passing game as well. Like they don't get a great pass rush. Um, Mark Andrews eats them up. Receivers make a couple plays. If the Ravens can get that going, then I could see them going way past 30 points. Um, and then offensively, you know, if you start turning the ball over, it can get ugly quick against this team. So that I guess that would be the nightmare scenario. Most realistic scenario, I guess, should we hold our score predictions or should I put that in here? Yeah, put your score prediction out there. All right, so I guess most realistic, what I sort of see happening is uh, – I don't see the Jets defense holding this offense down just because of the, this is a huge mismatch about as big as it gets for this particular defense. So I think the Ravens will put up 30, but I do think the offense is going to have a a pretty good game. Um, So I think it's going to be, I got 30 to 24 Ravens. I think it'll be a good game and competitive, competitive throughout, but I think ultimately uh, Jackson and Andrews and that run game will be too much. Um, But best case scenario I think if you want to win this game, number one is keeping the ball safe. The Ravens bank on that so much. Um, last three years, their road record with uh, when forcing zero turnovers is one in five. If they force at least one turnover, they're 15 and three. So you have to keep the ball safe. That's number one. Uh, if the Jets can run the ball effectively and hit, I say at least two big passing plays, then I think they'll, be in business, keep the ball safe, run it well, two big passing plays, two or three. I think you could easily get into high twenties and then defensively it's like we talked about earlier, the run game is going to be what it's going to be. I don't see them shutting it down, but if they can take advantage of their passing game mismatches, uh, shut down the receivers, create a good pass rush. I could see them holding the Ravens to around 20, maybe 17, 20, um, so, yeah, I guess those would be the best-case scenarios. Maybe the Jets could win a 27-20 kind of game. I think I mean, for, I think the Ravens are going to have a good bit of yards. But I, like I said, I do think the Jets are going to have some, some flash plays, some big sacks on third downs, you know, a turnover right. or two. Um, it's hard for me to put an exact score in this. I see the type of game where, like, the Ravens drive down 
and then the Jets hold them in the red zone and they settle for three. And then maybe the Jets have to punt. And then the Ravens drive down again and the Jets hold them again to three. Now it's six nothing. And then maybe the Jets offense wakes up a little bit. But as soon as the Jets offense wakes up, the Ravens offense wakes up and they score a touchdown. So it's like, I see that type of game. It's like, like now it's 13 to seven. And then it's maybe the Jets go up 14 to 13. I see this type of game, but ultimately I see the, the, the Ravens pulling it out. If I had to give an arbitrary number, let me stick with the scenario in my head. Hold on. Let me pick. Okay. 14, 20, 21. I'll say, I'll say that the Jets put up 24 and the Ravens put up 27. Is that, is that a good? Okay. Yeah. We're in the same ballpark. I, I think, I think, you know, maybe, maybe the Jets offense doesn't put up that much. 20. I feel, I, I feel like they can put up 24 points, but it might be a little bit less than that. I, uh, the, the score prediction is completely arbitrary. The, the prediction that I think, will come true on Sunday um, that I do feel fairly confident about is that I think it'll be a close game. I think the Jets will represent themselves well and will come out of this game, even if they don't close it out with plenty of positives to talk about. And there'll be some negatives. Maybe the Jets don't run the ball as well as, as we hope they would. You know, maybe they really struggled containing Lamar. I think that'll be the big X factor is Lamar is going to run for like a hundred yards and that's going to be a, you know, take some, some wind out of our sails on de- defense, but I think ultimately you'll come out of it and say, look, the defensive line looked good on the pass rush. You know, they created some turnovers. This offense moved the ball. We see this identity. And I think you go into week two feeling oh, pretty confident uh, against, you know, the Browns. I'm not saying that you're going to walk in thinking it's going to be a cakewalk against the Deshaun Watsonless Browns, who are still a very good team. But I think you're going to walk into that game with a different perspective on this Jets team and, and a little bit more confidence in their ability to, to win um, some games early on. All right, Michael, is that is that all we have? Is that is that it? I mean, you'll be here this weekend. We'll do the uh, the post game pod. We'll be in person, first in person podcast in a yep. while. Yep. I don't, do we bring the cameras back out? I mean, do we do we have to show the listeners this little shoebox apartment I got here in the city? Uh, th- that's up to you. I don't know. And I did. We also, I, we also might look kind of disheveled on on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, win or lose, we'll look pretty disheveled. All right. Well, we'll we'll see if we if we bring out the cameras for that one. But uh. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can follow us at TYJPod on Twitter, Michael at Michael underscore Nania, uh, myself at Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube. Michael, last thoughts, uniform thoughts. Seems like the Jets will go all white this Sunday, a little white out, then purple and white for the Ravens probably. Hmm? We like that matchup? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm liking that matchup. But that's what I was going to say. I think it's, it's a lot of white out there, but – it, it, it makes the primary colors pop out. You right. have that green against that purple. I think it's a cool matchup. I feel good about the Sunday. I, I the thing is, is I feel good every every op- week one outside of maybe twenty twenty. But every week one, even if I don't predict them to win, like I don't think I predicted them to win last year. I think I probably said something similar. I always feel good. But this one in particular, I really do feel like the Ravens are obviously a great team. They're a playoff team. I think they'll win the division, but I do think the jets are going to represent themselves nicely. And, and I don't think it's crazy to, to, for the Jets to win this game. It's crazy for me to predict it, but I could see it happening is all I'm saying. But, you know, scheme matchups are, are a little, you know, uh, more difficult to predict than, than I think the, the player personnel might indicate that they're, they're a lot closer, but it just comes down to who wins the coaching battle. And uh, clearly the Ravens have the experience there. So we'll, we'll see. We'll be back here Monday. We'll record it Sunday night. Very excited. If you uh, go to the Jets game, tweet at us. We can meet up with some some listeners in the, the, the parking lot. Where are we tailgating, Michael? Do you have a, an idea? Where do you think we're going to go? Uh, I don't know. We're going to kind of be like a, a little tour around the parking lot, right. I think. I don't All know. Right. 
if you want, if you want Michael and I to stop by our tailgate, just, just tweet us at TYJ pod. Um, all right. Thank you everybody for listening. Fingers crossed for this Sunday. Hope everything goes well. We'll learn a lot about this team on Sunday, but we'll be back this Monday. Go Jets.